seems like a battle of offense out here. How do you bring the momentum back in your favor? Uh, don't listen to that guy that keeps yelling at me over there. Okay, buddy, I get it. Jalen, good luck. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Welcome to another episode of The Waggle. I'm Luca Celebre, for those of you who don't know me, and Donovan will be back next week, but I work with TSN, I work with Bar Down, and I'm pumped to be here with you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're glad to have you Thank on board, Luca. We're glad to have you in a week that was exciting. So exciting. For my rookie show, I'm pumped that it was this week because we've got a ton to talk about. We're obviously going to recap everything that happened in week 10. We've got a week 11 recap, but we have a lot of other amazing stuff to look ahead to, and... Your dog of the week is back. I'm pumped to be part of the dog of the week segment for the first time. If you can give us just a little teaser, um, one word to describe your dog this week. I've got a couple of ideas, but what one word would you use? Man, it's 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 two words in one. Okay. Playmaker. Ooh, okay. That's 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 the word that I'll use to to describe my dog of the week this weekend. Uh I'm excited, man. This is this this goes out to a guy that you know, I've seen mature and grow in so many different aspects, and I'm excited for him, man. He came to me, actually, a couple weeks ago. He said, you know, I need a dog of the week. I said, oh, Lord. Just hand him out. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief. You don't just hand him out. Including the man you're replacing. <laughs> he thinks I just hand him out to my boys. Okay. But, um, nah, this one is my boy, and he earned it. So I'm excited for this one. I'm pumped. To, I, I feel like I know where you're going with it, but we'll we'll have the official reveal a little right. later on. Right. We've also got, got that guy. We have a one inspired by Jalen Acklin, who just gave a very honest halftime yes. interview, yeah. which was amazing. So it's going to be the honest interviewee for that guy. Yes, 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 yes. I'm excited for that one too. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Do this. And we've also got a great interview with 2022 Most Outstanding Canadian, Nathan yeah. Rourke, who showed out in his first preseason game. It'll be you and Donovan on that one. I didn't do the interviewing, so if you hear a different voice, it wasn't me. <laughs> um, but let's start there, because I think he's kind of been the talk of the football world had a great preseason debut for the Jacksonville Jaguars, highlighted by that viral moment that everyone's talking about, Patrick Mahomes tweeting about it. Um, from your perspective, just what were your thoughts seeing him just ball out? We know he's been balling out north of the border, and now to see people appreciate his skill set south of the border. Listen, the guy that you're replacing, he probably might be the biggest Nathan Rourke fan in the universe okay uh maybe 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 next to his wife and his parents but he might be the biggest and he was i mean he was the number one fan in in the nathan rourke bandwagon early on last year and uh to be honest with you he was calling for him two years ago so wow. i have to give him credit i have to give donovan credit for you know being that one person to support nathan rourke way before everybody that's seeing him do what he's doing now and uh man I can't wait for the interview, but beyond that, I mean, Nathan's doing what Nathan does. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's exciting to see the support that he's getting, not only from the CFL, not only from just the BC Lions fans, but, um, you know, everybody. Like you mentioned, Patrick Mahomes tweeted about it, and, uh, you know, that clip went viral. But it's just a representation of who he is, man. And, and once you hear the interview and how he conducts himself, communicates, and talks, you can only imagine the type of person leader that he is uh, within a locker room. And, 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 and I talk about it in the interview as well, Luca. 
this man, I spent maybe two minutes after the game that he blew the Toronto Argonauts last year. And, uh, you know, he really went off. He had like a record, you know, as far as completion uh, percentage in that game, I believe. But, you know, just speaking with him for two minutes, um, I, I could sense the humility. I could sense the leadership. I can sense um, the purpose behind his voice. And so uh, he's a guy that's that's not hard to cheer for. You know, I never played with the guy, but just the type of person that he is, um, I want the best for him. So I'm excited for for what he's going to be able to do, um, you know, in the NFL. And another thing, too, that we talk a little bit in depth in the interview, Luca, is just the process. People don't realize. I was going to ask you about that. That jump is not as simple as, hey, I played in the CFL. Yeah. Let me pick a team and let me sign with them. It's yeah. not as simple, right? It's a longer process that a lot of people don't really get uh, understand or, or get to really witness or see. Um, but he dives into it. We dive into it quite a bit in the interview. But uh, again, it's a whole nother level of respect that I have for him. And, and just like a sneak peek, people don't know. But when you you get attention from multiple teams in the NFL like that, and I remember going through it, I mean, I remember my wife was telling me, you know, you're getting poked again. I mean, you get tested from, you know, top to bottom. Yeah. Check every single bone in your body and uh, blood tested, you know. Uh, you got to, you know, every single test you could think of. And they analyze every injury you may have had. And, and of course, with his history, um, to be able to be where he is and make the play that he made that went viral. Man, healthy Nathan Rourke is a problem. He is a problem. And uh, glad to see that problem going forward. Me too. And I will clarify, too, the interview you guys did with him before any of the preseason Correct. action. So. Won't be talking about that specifically. I wanted to ask you, though, too, about the preseason because it's such a unique experience, I think, for a player like you're, especially for him. He's not the first string quarterback on the roster. He's the mm -hmm. third string guy coming in like you're not playing the entire game. And even for any Canadian going into going into the NFL like that or anyone from the CFL going into NFL preseason, your opportunities are limited to kind of show out. So how important is it to like have that viral play? Not only if you don't make the team, but just for other potential suitors to kind of see what you can do. Every single play matters. Luka. Yeah. Every single play matters. And 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 you want to try and get a, a fire play like he did as a quarterback, obviously, play make a play like that. It just, you know, it, it stays at top of mind when you're a coach and when you're going through the list down the down the stretch of the preseason and and you remember those type of plays. And those are the type of plays you want to continue to have. I remember me, I had a a goal line stands, you know, mm. running back was trying to come through. I think we we're in New York and he was trying to come through at the one yard line. And I saw it. And, you know, for me, I was like, well, look, I got nothing to lose. Yeah. Let's meet in that hole. And, <laughs> and I ran full speed and uh, I stopped him there. And that was kind of the play that for my coaches in Indianapolis kind of remembered when it was time to, 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 to finalize the team. And you want to have a play like that. And, and, and the, the tough part about that, Luca, is you really can't control that all no. the time. You know, especially as a guy, like if you're a receiver, yeah, you got to have the right situation, the right coverage that dictates for the quarterback to throw you the ball. If you're a DB, you have to wait for the ball to come your way. And so when that opportunity comes, you have to strike. And so I'm just glad that he was able to uh, uh, make the play that he made uh, at the time that he did. I mean, man, it's just a, it's a representation of who he is, the resilience, the fight, and the, the, the willpower that he has. Look, I'm going to get this ball to my receiver regardless of what's happening around me and help win the game too they won the game come from behind and, and awesome to see it i know he's got a ton of fans here north of the border gonna be tuning into a lot of preseason games 
A housekeeping note I did forget to mention before we move on. You can listen to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CFL.ca, and YouTube as well because we do clip some of these segments for YouTube. So be sure to subscribe everywhere that you need to subscribe. Luca's beautiful beard. Wow. Thank you very much. Thank you. And look, we, we kind of matched in the shirts today. We both got the flowers, you know? Love the vibe. It's, it's the summer here in Toronto. We're Absolutely. Let's start with the Week 10 recap, though. Let's Let's get into it with one of the games of the week, I think, when you look back at them, Edmonton and Winnipeg. And for Edmonton, on the Edmonton side of things, fans were clamoring for Trey Ford to make his first start of the season. And they had a new OC as well, Jarius Jackson. And the first play, they dial up a 65-yard touchdown. Incredible to see. They go up big on Winnipeg, losing Zach Caleros in that game. And then Drew Brown just comes off the bench, hasn't thrown a pass since 2019 in a game, and leads them to victory. We all thought Edmonton might get that first home win, and Drew Brown just said, no, you're going to stay winless, and this streak is going to continue. Listen, that was a a very entertaining game to watch, and entertaining for the simple fact that the team that everybody thought was going to win was it winning at the beginning. Yeah. You know, you talk about the odds pregame, and you listen to to the commentaries, you listen to uh, the analysts, you talk about... The people on the panel, if you watch the the, the, the yeah. TV copy and you watch Kate uh, Mild and Jim and, and and everybody that was on there, Matt Dunnigan, they were all shocked, Yeah, right? Nobody expected the the Elks to come out the way that they did, and uh, that's the beauty of the game, right? But at the end of the day, it's not about how you start. It's how you finish, <laughs> Luca. Yep. It's how you finish. And, and unfortunately for the Elks, again – they weren't able to finish. Um, but but I was extremely in, impressed by, by you talking about Drew Brown. I mean, 307 yards as a backup to Zach Larson. So Jim Barber, when I was on the panel, talked about how one of his biggest strengths has been his availability, right? You, you have to be available. Uh, one of the greatest attributes for a professional athlete, professional football player, they always say, availability. Um and and that means if you're a backup, you're watching, you're holding a clipboard. And 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 he he even said in an interview that he was talking about is look look. I always tell Zach to to you know run up the score so I can get a chance to play in the fourth <laughs> quarter. And this time his number was called early on in the game, and it was just extremely impressive to see him come on and put the performance that he put on and uh, be able to uh, you know. Convert when it comes to touchdowns and 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 just receiving passes and uh, running the ball. I mean, he just seemed like he's been with that team for a long time, and he's been running the offense. You don't realize as much how much a backup player, you know, has to take mental reps at practice. Yeah, and so you don't get to get the ball and throw with your the starting receivers and. And, and the starting running back and the starting offensive lineman get those snaps. And, and so it was extremely impressive for me. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to break the news, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now, Luca, after that game, I told myself, I'm like, this is so impressive. He's my dog of the week. Unless somebody else, something else happens. And unfortunately, I know everybody in Winnipeg will be like, you know, there's no way. But unfortunately, he's not my dog. He's definitely the honorable mention okay. of the week. And uh, tip of the hat, if he gets to play next week, 
Um, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see. And there's a shirt probably, probably, possibly waiting for him out there. And, uh, you know, let's see you duplicate that, Drew Brown. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. Okay. Hawaii Bowl MVP in 2016 oh. from, from what I saw. And you mentioned Zach. He didn't practice today. Um, he was out there, but not in pads, not doing anything. So we'll have to wait on his status for That's next. And, and I'll say this too, Luca. I will say this. Whether Zach, although he didn't practice on the first day of practice of preparation for uh-huh. their next game, whether he is able to play later down in the week and practice and play in the next game, I'll tell you what Drew Brown just did. He raised his stock. Yeah. Through the roof. He actually made a lot of money this past weekend. Um, just his ability to control the offense, coming from a, a a great team like Winnipeg and and the history that they have, just to be in that building. When you build value like that, Drew Brown is a guy who uh, caught the eye of, I promise you, I promise you, every other team in the CFL. And, uh, you know, this uh, offseason is going to be uh, – Drew Brown offseason. I'll tell you that right now, Mark, my word. Especially with so many QB injuries that we've exactly. seen. And we'll move on to a team that's dealing with them. Montreal beating Saskatchewan 41-12. And this game was just a, a really weird one for Sasky because they're already without Trevor Harris. And then Mason Fine goes down and Jake Dolagala is coming off the bench. And now they've traded for Antonio Pipkin. And yes, Montreal was without Cody Fajardo, so they had a backup QB playing for them as well in Caleb Evans, but he got the job done with three total touchdowns and they kind of handily go on to win this one. But what do you make of just Sasky and the, the QB situation? It's got to be a tough one for a lot of those players because you think Harris is going to be the guy and you obviously don't expect a QB injury, but then you don't expect another one to your backup. And now you're trading for a fourth guy on the roster, which makes me think that fine probably isn't fine for this week or maybe the foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I talked to Trevor Harris, as a matter of fact. This back. Hey. Uh, my, actually, last night he said, Enoch, I'm getting ready for my dog of the week once I get back. So, okay. The king is rehabbing <laughs> as hard as he can to come back. And I told him I got I to gotta serve for him. That's the motivation. And, like I tell all my boys, you still got to earn it. You still got to earn it, and uh, but but I don't doubt it. So I'm, I'm I'm rooting for him and still praying for him and his um his process. But you talk about that QB situation over there, Mason Fine coming in and finally getting comfortable, kind of seeing him get a, a, accustomed to that offense, and then he goes down as well. So it's absolutely tough. Them bringing in Antonio Pipkin, who's a former teammate of mine, and you know again, a vacancy like that only creates an opportunity, right? And so. Uh, whether it's Dola Gala or Antonio Pipkin going forward, it's going to be interesting in, in Saskatchewan. I mean, they got playmakers on, uh, you know, on offense, but people underestimate the importance of rhythm, the importance of uh, being able to uh, speak or talk or communicate to your quarterback as a receiver without saying a word. And, and, and that comes from really building into – in training camp, and so for a guy like Pipkin, a guy like Dolagala to come in and 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 not really have spent that time, it's going to be tough. But uh, again, it's an opportunity for uh, both of those guys to uh, you know show what they got, and uh, it'll be interesting going forward. And like you said, Caleb Evans, Caleb Evans as well. In the East, we talk about backup quarterbacks. We talk about guys that can have an impact that haven't been there. 
he 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 proved that hey look I can I can run an offense. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting to see some guys that are emerging, even even as backups, but but starting to 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 play really well. So it's it's going to be interesting down the stretch for sure. Yeah, and Mason Fine obviously wish him all the best. Hopefully he comes back. But like you alluded to, the chemistry must be tough. They probably felt like they were kind of building that with him, and now they've got to build it with another quarterback or two maybe, and uh, and get ready for this upcoming week. Another backup, Dane Evans did a fine job in BC for for his kind of time there, but Vernon Adams Jr. is back, and he balled out 322 yards, four touchdown passes, and a 37-9 win over the Calgary Stampeders, who had Kadeem Carey back, which was really nice to see, and he wasn't kind of fully back as far as playing time goes. They were splitting time in the backfield. Um, BC's defense pitching just another shutout, didn't allow a touchdown in this game. And I think if if my math is correct, the Argos and the Bombers are the only teams to put up over 20 points on them this season so far. So pretty impressive defensively, which kind of begs the question. And what I, question is that, It's a question that I, I feel like you really dare ask that question. I'm going to ask it. I don't agree with it necessarily, but I'm going to ask it. Are the BC Lions the best defense in the CFL? What say you? Do I have to answer that question is what I said. <laughs> but the answer is no. I hey. don't think so. I will say this. Uh, again, RP, the OG, Ryan Phillips. I mean, you know, he's a guy who's has a, a wealth of experience, and, and he's a guy I look up to. And when I came into the CFL, he was a baller. And for him, for to, to, to see him the way that he's, he also actually contacted him. He said, Enoch, where's my shirt? A lot of guys are contacting you, eh? He, you know, they earned it, but he built an amazing defense out yeah. there. Uh, and they're doing an outstanding job uh, week in and week out. I cannot deny that. Um, I don't know if I would say they're the best. I don't know if I'd say they're the best because, you know, we got there's another team on, in the East that's got the best record in the CFL and playing really, really, really well. Um, but I will say this: they're they're definitely at the top. They're 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 top two, top three. I will say. Okay. Let's put it like that. Okay. So I'll I'll give them their flowers. RP, I told you, I got you. You got a great defense. You got some great stuff going on over there in BC. Um, I don't know about the best though. I don't know about the best, Luca. Okay. Okay. We need to see a little more then. We're uh, we're saying then, and you alluded to. The team that might have the best, in your opinion, the Toronto Argonauts, to kind of end our Week 10 recap here. What a game that was. The high-scoring game of Week 10 by far, 44-31. to The Argos bounce back after suffering the first loss of the season in Calgary. And when you're talking about this win, you got to start with Chad Kelly, obviously, and what he did. 75% completion, 417 yards, four touchdowns in the pick. And from your perspective, just seeing it kind of up close, is this the best game that you've seen from Chad Kelly, especially considering just coming off the loss, coming off a bit of an injury, and then responding in this way? thousand percent. Yeah. A thousand percent. Chad's best game thus far. And, uh, uh, you know, I try to tell him as much as I can, listen, when you run, just slide for me. <laughs> slide for me, especially after seeing everything. But you know with stuff when you're a competitor like oh my is, goodness um i don't even think he thinks about the conversation i just had with enoch or any other coach no. me i've told him the same thing but i mean he's playing tremendously right now and uh the crazy thing is this is probably the worst we'll see him 
because he's only going to get better. That's so crazy. He's going to get better. And um, people always talk about, hey, Chad doesn't put up great numbers. Chad doesn't. But he didn't have to. And the beautiful thing was last night we needed him to. Yeah. We needed him to. And he did. He does what he needs to do. And he did just that last night. And he was putting up numbers, finding all his receivers, putting the ball exactly where they need to be on target. I mean, 400 yards plus as a quarterback. Um, I, I think his vision will only continue to uh, get better and better, and it doesn't uh, hurt to have weapons across the field, uh, like a Coxie who's not even on the field right now. I mean, you talk about DeVars Daniels, you talk about uh, Cam Phillips, Curly Gittins, uh, Dijon Brissett. He's got weapons across the board. Oh, by the way, he can also turn around and hand the ball off to one yep. name, <laughs> AJ Ouellette. And so um, it's, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be a Chad Kelly right now, surrounded by the talent that he has. And, uh, but when it comes to it, Chad Kelly does Chad Kelly things. And, uh, like I said, 417 yards, four TDs, um, 75% completion is amazing. That's the, that's the number that like, when, when I'm looking at the line, that one is the number, especially in a shootout, because you can go 75% on maybe like 12, 16 kind of thing, right? If that, that passing attempt number is down, but he, to go 75% and put up over 400 yards and four touchdowns, right. it's incredible. And, and again, I'll say it, man, the receivers did an amazing yep. job. You, cause you could be a quarterback, and you and we often say, man, just give the receivers a chance. Yeah. And when you give a receiver a chance, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to catch, but these guys were catching everything that were coming their way. I think of the catch over the middle by Cam Phillips that he did. I mean, I, I thought from my perspective, from my viewpoint, and a lot of the guys around me, beside me, uh, at the game at BMO Field, we thought it was incomplete, and we saw the replay. We're like, how did he do that? How did he do that? But – uh, like I said, these guys are making plays for their quarterback, but it's it's because they they believe in him and 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 you know sometimes as a receiver, you tend to feel like ah this ball's not gonna come to me. But when you play with Chad Kelly, he's gonna give you a chance, and you just never know when the ball's gonna come to you. And uh, with with the talent that's around, you just you don't know whose whose team or whose game it's gonna be on any given. Uh, game day and that's what um you know some of the guys were saying the receivers when I talked to them, I was like man we just try to stay ready because mm -hmm. um it could be anybody's game and that's that's a great feeling I'm sure is for Chad just knowing that he can kind of entrust in all those guys shout out to the to Ottawa as well because that was an, an entertaining game uh Jalen Acklin six catches for a buck 57 and a touchdown you alluded to it though um it's time it's time yeah Acklin had a great game. Drew Brown had a great game, but it's time for a, a special segment. All right. You ready for this? I'm ready. Dog of the week this week. <laughs> this week, Luca, the dog of the week goes to my boy. I just said it. A guy who came from another team. And he's just settling down. And this is just the beginning, I think. Um, he's shown some great signs of, of, of greatness, uh, potentials through the roof, um, leadership qualities, um, amazing, and his ability to track the ball. And, and, and when you talk about receivers, when you talk about route running, he's definitely at the top um, in this league. And uh, 
uh, dog of the week this week goes to my man, DeVaris Daniel. There it is. Six receptions, 180 yards. Oh, and crossed the big, thick white line three times. I mean, six targets for 180. Man, that's a dream. I asked him every time. I was, I was like, man, have you woken up yet? Have you woken up yet? Because those are numbers that you only dream about. And so uh, dog of the week this week goes to my man, Tavares Daniel. Dog. And that's his. And our old mention, I talked about Drew Brown. Mm-hmm. I cannot, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it because I thought it was an amazing performance, uh, outstanding performance at that. And then the other guy, too, that I thought was really, really close. And he's been in my ear as well. Tell him, you know, <laughs> you got to give me dog of the week. You got to give me dog of the week. Mr. Leak himself. Mm. This is his third touch. I cannot not talk about him. Third touchdown in four games as a returner. Yeah. It's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And I told him, I'm like, listen, I, w- I would give it to you, but I can't. W- what am I supposed to do? So we had a conversation. I told him one more and, and he's got it. Oh, boy. Like I said, you got to earn it. You got to earn it. And a lot of people in your ear, I will say for Daniels too, that 30 yards a catch, like that averages up to 30 yards a catch, which is crazy. On pace for his first 1,000-yard season in the CFL, which I found surprising, honestly, looking at his numbers that he hasn't done that yet, but well on pace to do so this year. That's right, that's right. That's a right. well-earned dog of the week. And I know you're going to get it from some teams that haven't had a player get dog of the week yet. No. You're telling them, though, you got to earn it. You got to so. earn it. You got to earn it. And it helps when you win, too. So, uh, but, 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 but sometimes you can have a great game and, and not win and do all that and not win. But also, somebody else does, just deserves it a little mm-hmm. bit more. So do it again. That's what I usually tell about. I love it again. I love it. Yeah. It's a great mindset to have. And it, it's something to strive for week in and week out. Before we talk about week 11 and kind of preview what we've got coming up, as the time of this recording, at the time of this recording, CFL power rankings are not out. So we cannot be biased as far as what we've seen from our experts here at the CFL and kind of where they're going this week for the power rankings. But when you look around the league, when you look at the standings, there are three teams that can all have cases for that number one spot. We're talking about the Toronto Argonauts, BC Lions, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Two out west, one in the east, but a clear top three for that top spot. We're going to go our own power rankings here. One to three. We're going to rank these three teams, maybe debate a little bit. I'll let you start. Who is at your number one spot? Waggle ranking. The waggle ranking. At this very point in the season, I believe. Number one goes not to none other, no other team than the Toronto Argonauts, the double blue. I mean, one game away from being undefeated, and it's a game where you know, some things happen, yeah. Where, but you got to go through those, and we lost in Calgary, uh, but I don't feel like we, we, we've lost, a, we've skipped a beat, and uh, uh, I feel extremely well where we are. I, I, I like the way that our offense is attacking every defense we're playing against. Um, our defense is, is in sync. We got playmakers at all levels, literally the line of scrimmage. Talk about the flows of the world. Talk about the Sean Oakman's and 
the rest of the defensive line. Got Win McManus, who's having a oh my amazing year, and and I'm waiting to give him a dollar to week. That's <laughs> my boy. Um, Jordan Williams playing tremendously, also in my absence. Um, you got uh, a DB core who's been having fun catching balls in the secondary. Uh, Rob Daniels, you see how physical Jamal Peters was last night. Um, the Sean Amos, Royce Mechie. I'm gonna get in trouble if I don't say everybody's name. <laughs> I know. Once you start saying, once you start saying, you gotta say everyone now. We got Stigger, so I said everybody <laughs> in the secondary. I hope I didn't forget anybody, but these guys out there are, are, are being extremely dangerous, lethal. You know, every quarterback that plays against us, I guarantee you, um, thinks twice before they throw the ball deep. And so, uh, for that reason, I have to put the Argos first. I have to put the Argos first. I don't know about you. You know, I thought long and hard about it. And I tried to come up with some numbers and some stats to make the case for the other two teams at number one. But I do agree with you. Oh, I do agree right. with you. I am about to stand up and look out right now. <laughs> I got the Argos at number one. I think what it comes down to for me, in, in my opinion, the special teams play so far this year oh, with Javon Lee. That's right. I know Janorian Grant is great out there in Winnipeg, and I know BC has got a great returner as well, but the production from the special teams so far to go along with the offense that scores 30-plus a week when Chad's playing and the defense that has just been so opportunistic, whether it's sacks, turnovers, there isn't a combination on all three phases of the game like that so far from another team. So that's why I've got Toronto at number one. Let's see if we've got a disagreement, though, at number two. Who have you got at number two? What about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Okay. But what about the Blue Bombers? And, and I'm glad we're only, you know, still got a lot of season left, but there's room for change. But the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, especially with the changes that have happened and the way that Drew Brown, the way that he stepped up. Now, it's, it's going to be interesting to see down the road, but the way that he stepped up, in Zach Larris's absence was absolutely impressive. I already touched on it, but they still seem like the great Winnipeg Blue Bombers of old. And so, uh, yes, they lost the first game against the BC Lions, but they won the rematch. Cannot wait for the rubber match between oh those two teams. But as of now, is the team that won last is to me is the team that's the better team. And I'll put the Winnipeg Blue Bombers ahead the, of the BC. Lions. Okay, so that means BC is number three, obviously, on your list. I've got a bit of a disagreement. Woo, I'm, and maybe, and you know what? Maybe it's because I just want to shake things up a little bit. Let's Winnipeg's been so dominant all the time. They've been in the Great Cup three years in a row, and I just want to see something new. I also admittedly have a soft spot for Vernon Adams Jr. I've loved watching him play from they college play to me. now. That's my guy. I love watching him play. So I've got the Lions at two. And part of it is, and I know the Bombers beat the Lions last time out, but B.A. wasn't playing in that game, so I give them a little bit of a pass despite it being... And, and Dane Evans is a great quarterback. He's probably the best backup in the league if you had to pick one. But I give them a pass because V.A. wasn't playing, and they went into Winnipeg earlier this year and beat the Bombers in Winnipeg. So that has a lot of stock for me. And I also think defensively, I just love what they're doing defensively. I know Winnipeg put up 50 and, and you guys put up almost 50 on them, but every other team has had a really tough time. And when VA is going, that offense is just electric. They've got a ton of great playmakers. So 
That is why I've got BC. And it's no disrespect to Winnipeg because they are no incredible. At all. I just want something new, something I, fresh. I believe it. I believe it. But I just don't like the reason that you give. <laughs> I don't like the reason that you give. I mean, I, listen, I can't argue with that because those two teams are, are, are really neck and neck. When you talk about skills, you talk about talent, you talk about, um, you know, their ability to perform when they need to. Um, we're, we're, just don't know, man. When you talk about greatness, I don't like seeing greatness be underappreciated. You know, listen. I respect that. I think the Argonauts are first, but I definitely do recognize that although they've been great for a long time, the fact that they're still doing it is a huge, huge, huge thing for them. And uh, it's not an easy feat. So, like I said, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. Well, my, my top three is different, but... Um, I respect your opinion. And I wonder what our listeners, our fans are also thinking. What is your top three? We need to hear that. We need to see it in the comments and, and let us know what you think. What's your opinion on the top three at this stage in the season? And please, Ryder fans, be, be realistic, right? You can't, just because you're a Ryder fan, you can't put them at number one. Or two, um, three, or three. Or... But hey, look. After that, I you want can, to hear it. You I can make your it. own list. If you want to go the full nine, go the full nine. But <laughs> we're just talking top three and Riders fans. Yeah, you might be outside of the top three just right now. The BC Lions are firmly in that top three. And before we get into week 11, let's get to this amazing interview. Yourself, Donovan, Nathan Rourke before his first preseason game. I'm excited to listen to this. So Nathan, thank you for joining us and thank you for making the time because I know it is a busy time getting ready for the season and we're just weeks away from regular season football, but the preseason is the main thing right now. But talk to me about the experience. You're normally you know, in the midst of the CFL season. Now you're ramping up for hopefully a long NFL season. Have you had the camp arm yet? Is, is the body feeling good? Where are you at physically and mentally? Yeah, I think um, I think at this point you can't say that your body feels good, but I think it, it, it definitely could feel worse. Uh, I mean, I've been enjoying every moment here. It's been cool to be a part of a, a team that has kind of had the momentum of last year, last year's season, and kind of join them and see how uh, their culture has been built and, and be and be a part of that. And then, you know, they just moved into a new building and um, uh, new facilities, and, and just to be a part of that transition has been fun and and uh, I think that they're doing a lot of really cool things here and I feel like I can grow as a player and uh, and I've certainly been enjoying that so far but we're, we are in the in the dog days of camp and uh, we're looking forward to uh, the first preseason game here on next Saturday against Dallas um, and uh, really honing in on that. I imagine the dog days of camp are a bit better when you have a golf simulator in your new facility. <laughs> when I saw the photos of uh, you know what was built one i was like jealous but two it was a sign of investment right because you you don't need to go to that level um mm -hmm. what was that like for you when you first kind of understood the plans and then laid your eyes on you know what was going to be you know the franchise's home for the next little bit yeah well i think that just in general 
uh, you know, when a, an owner is a, is willing to invest in the team, I think that's just a good sign of what where the franchise is heading. Uh, I think that we had that with Mr. Doman in BC. We had a, an, owner, an owner that wanted to be active within the community, but also within the team, and he wanted to be able to control it uh, and push it forward in a positive way. And he certainly did that, and that kind of trickled down throughout the team. And I think that you should have the same thing here. Um, where from the top down, the leadership um, is is evident, and and you see that people uh, really care about each other. They want to see the best come out of in, in each other, and um, I think that the practice facilities are a part of that change. And obviously, the stadium plans and stuff like that. There is there is people who believe in this in this team and in this community, and I think that's just a a really cool thing to be a part of. You mentioned Dolman in BC. You you know, in a way, kind of came in around the same time as him, and there was lots of excitement, you know, for both of you leading the franchise. You're removed now, but how much of that positive vibe and upper trajectory of the franchise are you still aware of? I'm sure you saw, you know, the LA Cool J videos online, but, you know, in terms of, you know, what the team means to the community and and, uh, the province, uh, how much of that have you picked up on since you've been away? Yeah, I definitely, definitely still see it. Uh, you know, I think uh, again that was one of the things that made it hard to leave because I knew that there were there was a good thing going. Um, you know, I think that with the new jerseys this year, you see, you know, kind of a rebrand and a, a continual push to try to get the Lions to be more part of the community. Um, you know, I think the Lions have always done a really good job of getting the players out in the community, going into schools, and having opportunities with the youth. And I, I think that they've always done a good job of doing that and I think that it's paying off you see the games that they were I was at one uh, recently a uh, game against Montreal and the environment is electric Got, uh, people want to be there there's a buzz around the team and obviously it's they're they're doing a really good job on the field as well taking care of business and um, and I think that those things just kind of go hand in hand and I think it starts from the top uh, speaking of the top I know you're not getting you know, the cut-ups of the end zone view and the, you know, the all-player view of film of the Lions the way you would have in the past as you're looking at, you know, Jaguars film. But, you know, knowing your feeling for the guys in that room, I'm sure you're paying attention. What's it been like to follow the team's progress and hot start from afar? Yeah, it's been it's been interesting. It's been hard. It's hard to be an outsider. I mean, obviously, when you uh, have been involved in, in, and been a part of that core uh, for the last couple of years, um, and you kind of see us kind of grow and mature as a group. It's it's kind of hard to remove yourself from that. Um, but I, I've you know genuinely wanted the best for them and wanted them to continue to win. And I haven't been surprised that they've they've done the w- the way that they have so far. And I think when you have um, you when you have some injuries and you have people having to step up and fill new roles, I think that's just a sign of uh, a mature team a team that's able to you know take the punches and, and keep rolling and I think they have done that and so it's been it's been exciting to see Vernon step into that that new role and and then obviously the, the depth that they have at the quarterback position has been great to see as well well that's why you're nicer than me that's why Enoch is nicer than me because I remember when I was done playing at Western went back for the first game and I was like, man, you know, I want you to do well, but I want you to miss me a little bit, right? <laughs> and, you know, they were playing a rival Queens night game. They rushed for 200-plus win. And I'm like, all right, like, I'm replaceable. Um, but I, I genuinely get from you that you, you actually want them 
to do better, uh, you know, than what, what you guys were able to do uh, when you were there. Why is there zero ego? Like, where does that come from in a space where we're normally so competitive? Well, I, I think it, um, I think just generally, I think when you really care about people, you really just want them to have, you know, you want the best for them, right? And I, I always think about, for me, like that, you know, I, I felt like I came up short um, last year and um, I, I was really playing for the guys at that point. And so I, I still really want them to win. Um, and uh, whether it's with me or without me, um, I really just want to see them win. And, and I think that those guys, those guys I, I know it better than anyone that they deserve it and the way that they work and the way that they carry themselves on a daily basis. And so, um, you know, things the team has changed certainly, and you definitely feel like you're not part of things as the way that you were at one point. But um, I don't think that changes the desire for to see other people have success. Nathan, Nathan, before we even get deep into like football questions, right? Um, and I think I shared this with, with Donovan last year. We played, you know, Toronto played BC early on in the season. You know, people were talking about, hey, who's this Nathan kid and this, this, this and that. And I remember telling Nathan, I'm telling Donovan, I said, hey, look, this is still too early. He was good, but it's kind of early. Where do you get your leadership from? Where, uh, well, who were your heroes? I mean, like, where does that come from? Because uh, I remember exchanging some words with you in the, at the end of the uh, at the end of our game, and uh, I, just the, the 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 poise that you had and and the maturity that you had when you know the few words that we did exchange. I walked away saying, "Who is this kid?" Of course, after I said it again, you know, multiple times throughout the the course of our game, uh, but. Who were your heroes and who kind of inspired you to be the, the type of leader that you are? Yeah, I think uh, I think it starts with you, with your parents. I think that they, you know, my dad was a was a coach of mine. Um, and when we first started playing flag football in Burlington, and um, uh, I think that you're, you're that's that's the model of what you kind of shoot for. Right. And um, I don't know. I think that there is parts of leadership that come pretty naturally for me I think um I think that if I was you know especially when I was young if I was in a group that you know I wanted to there was a part of me that really wanted to speak up and make sure that we were you know I'm kind of a type a guy so we wanted to make sure we were focused and we were doing the right things and I think that's always come naturally um but I think that in terms of being able to like I believe in servant leadership and being able to serve the people around you, and that's the best way to get them to follow you is to be able to, to really believe in, and who they are as people, and and be able to support them that way. And I think that really was modeled by my parents and and how they raised us as a, as a family. And um, I, I think that that that's where that that value really came from. How does that compare to the leadership of Doug Peterson? Who you know, other quarterbacks have said similar things. What has your experience been? Yeah, I think I think it, it, it tracks, and I think that the the greatest leaders um, in sports and and otherwise um, have those traits as well. And um, Doug's been someone um, who I, you know I've obviously get gotten to know throughout the training camp, especially, and I'll continue to get to know as you know we go into the season. And um, he's someone who's who's obviously extremely experienced and, and feels like he never really. Um, goes into a situation he hasn't been in before, which is great, comforting as a as a young quarterback. And he's done really great things with Trevor. And um, I think that you can just see the, the 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 statistical changes from 
you know, um, the previous, his rookie year to last year. And I think that there are high expectations for a continual improvement this year. So it's been fun to be able to be an outsider, or I guess an insider in this case, to be able to see that growth and, and be a part of that has been really, really fun. I, I mean, your humility, uh, you know, oozes off from, from, from the screen, uh, Nathan. But talk to me about this, this next challenge, right? Um, you went from being a leader on your team in BC as a rookie to, uh, you know, winning some awards and recognition as well in the CFL and then taking, you know, another jump and another leap into a whole new league and, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the NFL. Now, what is this challenge uh, going to be like for you as far as coming back as a rookie, learning again from other guys and, and trying to kind of get a handle on what's going on? What, what do you think – uh, are, are your biggest challenges coming uh, ahead? Well, I, it's certainly going to be a challenge. It's, it has not been not been easy. It's been hard to go from being a starter and then, like you said, being a rookie again. Um, I had to. Uh, I've been doing all the rookie things here, and and to have to go through that again is not the most wasn't wasn't what I was looking forward to when I was coming down here, but. It's all part of it, and it's certainly a challenge. I think there's a lot going to be a lot of patience involved. There's going to be a lot of learning. Um, you know, uh, things aren't going to be handed to you, especially in this league. And um, and everything that I am going to have to that I want is going to have to be earned. And um, and uh, but I think that that was part of the decision that we had to make: is w- do we want that type of challenge? And I think ultimately the ultimately we're to where I want to go. I think yes, and this is just a, a great stop. Uh, in the end of the day uh, of uh, along my football journey that I'll, I'll be grateful for. So, uh, and it, honestly, like I said, we talking about the franchise and this couldn't be a better, uh, a better place to, you know, I think everyone here is, 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 is locked in on, on the right things. And, and it's been fun to be a part of that. And I know that there's going to be a lot of growth coming out of it. The general theme to every conversation I have with Nathan Rourke is Nathan Rourke's just a better person than I am. Uh, full stop. <laughs> Because you're talking about doing the rookie things, and it's like, well, you're, you played professional football. You got some hardware uh, you know, back home. I, rem- I was a transfer in university. And so when I transferred, technically I was new to that team. And when people tried to get me to do rookie nation, I was like, no, nah, actually, I've, I've, I've played before. I'm not a rookie. But you, with the, with the servant leadership, um, you're doing all of the rookie things, which I'm sure has you, you know, in a good place in that locker room. Speaking of servant leadership, uh, there's one way uh, that me and Enoch actually have more experience in that than you. Because we're married, dog. And you recently got married <laughs> this offseason. So, so talk to me about what you know, that experience and party was like in a transition. Um, and if, uh, if, if you are the quarterback in your own home. <laughs> well, I think uh, first off, it's been kind of, it's kind of been the same because my wife and I spent some time together after the wedding. We took a little bit of a trip and then I was back in Jacksonville. And actually the day after I got, or two days after I got married, I was back in Jacksonville and my wife was back. We were in two different countries again. And so it's been kind of that throughout our entire relationship. She was in Toronto uh, while I was in BC and we haven't actually spent too much time together. Um, so it's it feels like we're kind of this it's been kind of the same for us um but uh after training camp at the end of the month we're, we'll be moving in together finally uh, we'll be in the same uh place um but it, it's been it's been a joy it's been it, i mean it's been so fun to be able to um 
to to just uh, to, yeah to to be to be a part of a relationship where you know there's so much support and um, and I mean she was crucial in the whole um, my whole decision and and this this challenging time as well she's been she's been absolutely my rock and um, it, it certainly. Uh, the distance is, has always been a challenge for us, but we've taken that head on, and, and we're looking forward to, to taking this next step in this new journey and new adventure in, in Jacksonville. Wait a minute, Nate. I mean, you, you described that as like, that sounds like a perfect marriage to me. Uh, <laughs> absence makes the heart grow fonder. I'm just saying, like, it's clearly working. You might not want to switch things up until maybe kids, and then you have to be around, and you're going to see a lot of each other <laughs> at that point if that is in the cards, but... Um, exciting times for you, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's been fun. It's been fun. It's it's the distance isn't is never ideal, but um, I, I think that uh, we're very busy individuals, especially during camp. And and if, even if she was down here, you know, camp takes takes precedence at this time. It's everyone else is doing it, so it is part of it. Listen, I could totally relate with what you're saying, Nathan. And and, and when I was making the transition as well. Um, remember having to think about all these things, right? Um, but you talk about the crucial decision and how your wife was a part of it as well. Another person that was probably a huge part of this uh, a crucial decision um, was, was, was Hank, smiling Hank. And, and I see a lot of resemblance from your spirits. And I, I was fortunate enough to play against them in my younger years in the CFL and obviously mm-hmm. uh, uh, playing against you as well before you made the transition. Um, tell me how he impacted your decision and and what role he really played in this. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting thing with him because obviously, you know, Henry's been an absolute, he's an absolute legend in the CFL, you know, people up, especially up North have know who he is and know that, know that he's a legend and whatnot. Um, And uh, we almost worked together in BC. He was briefly unemployed and the Lions coach Campbell picked him up and, uh, you know, I picked his brain for as long as I could, and then he got a job in Jacksonville. And then uh, while I was doing the, I came down to work out, and he was giving me an advice on the whole NFL CFL thing, and because he went through a very similar thing uh, briefly there, and at the beginning of his career, and um, so he was giving me advice on that, and that was really it. I mean, I know he wanted, he, he, I think he would have been great to work together, but I think he was really giving me advice on th- making the jump. Um, and what the timing was like. I think that one of the things he said was that the situation is really important. Um, He was, he felt, he made the jump onto a team where he was really, really buried on on the depth chart, and he wished that he would have gone, played a little bit longer in the CFL um, before he went down to the NFL, and so um, that was uh, important in that. Um, but then obviously, um, I signed with Jacksonville and he goes somewhere, he goes somewhere else and he's with the Rams now. So one of these days we'll work together. It'll, I'll be really looking forward to it, but they still speak so highly of him here. And, and you can obviously see his impact, um, uh, even in places he isn't, uh, he isn't there anymore. So, um, uh, he was someone that I, I, I think I, he was the first person in, in the Jags organization that I actually told that I was going to be coming because, uh, he had just been so, uh, valuable in the, in the whole decision making process, and uh, uh, it's just uh, someone that I have in my corner who's just—it's just really cool to think about. You know, the guy. Um, and I remember when we were at our, our workout, and I had worked out with some two other receivers, and uh, he had come into the locker room, and we were just chatting, and and I got the sense that the other two didn't know who 
who who he was, and so I just started saying, you know who this guy is? He's he played 20 years. He's he's an absolute legend. He did all these things, and uh, and you just would never know it by the way he carries himself. So he's just uh, such a great guy, and and uh, like I said, hopefully one of these days we're able to work together because I think it's a long time coming at this point. Nathan, walk walk me back a little bit, right? Um, uh, again, I, I just want to I want to I want to see what the process was like for you, right? So so you finished the season. You know you got a wedding coming up. You're kind of healing up from from an injury as well. Um, mm -hmm. How many calls did you have? How was the process of healing as well as working out for teams? Um, did you have multiple calls? And, and 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 you know, having gone through the process, I remember it could be a little bit hectic. You can have a lot mm -hmm. of people. I'm sure Hank played a huge role, like I said, of of kind of uh, helping you uh, uh, make the decision. How was that process like? And 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 how did you were you able to kind of uh, go through it? Yeah, it was certainly unique with the with the injury um, because I, I wasn't a hundred percent. I did I did uh, twelve workouts for NFL teams, um, and so that process was crazy. I, I would do um, most of the time I would do about three or four at a time on a, on a week yeah. weekly basis. So I would do um, usually on you know Saturday and then maybe Sunday off because of the game, and then Monday Tuesday I would be doing workouts, and then I'd fly back to Vancouver and and then I'd do, I did that for for a couple months and um and uh, that just the whole process is crazy it's a lot of physicals a lot of people checking out your foot foot's not 100 yep. percent. i'm not i'm not running the way that i need to uh i'm telling them that i'm gonna be all right and all that different type of stuff and i actually had a team who who said that they 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 saw you know they saw my physicals and they they just weren't interested after that point because of the the foot and everything so just the way it goes sometimes and um, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a tough situation. I mean, going into that and, and talking to different teams and kind of seeing where their head was at, I think it, it came, became pretty evident that the best option was going to be Jacksonville. You want to have a team that's going to be able to, or going to want you to be there. Um, and just, that wasn't true for, for some of the teams. I think they just were trying, were curious and all that different type of stuff. But, um, it, it certainly was a whirlwind experience and, uh, to do it with the injury was, 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 was made it difficult um and uh but you know foot's feeling good right now and i think at the end of the day we made the right choice i i, I, I love that you team that said was. that go on go on DB. i need to know what team that was that wasn't <laughs> interested i need to to look at their season projection over under and fade them take the under <laughs> yeah <I'm> not, uh, <laughs> well i think i think uh, at some point we'll well it'll become evident i hope hopefully i have the chance to be able to 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 make them feel like they made the wrong decision by the way, I'll, t I'll let you know right now, Nathan, DB has been a fan since I think before you even threw your first football in the CFL. But uh, I, I love that you said that because and, and the reason why I wanted to ask that is because people don't really understand that whole process. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you talk about so many different physicals. And I remember doing two, three workouts a week as well and have being poked and getting blood tested and all of that, That's that whole process. But now you're in Jacksonville, Nathan. And there's a reason why you're there. You're not there by accident. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know, what was that meeting like with uh, whoever it was that you met with, whether it was the GM, the coach, or, or um, uh, some assistant GM? What was it that they said that really intrigued them about you? What did they love about your game? Well, on, to be honest, if I'm thinking back, I don't know, remember as much. I think it was more about um, it was more about what the situation to me about the situation was here and obviously you see a team that's on the rise and that you know that you want to be you know has energy that you want to be a part of and 
but I think you want to be able to get on the field. And I, I think that one of the things that they said that was really um, great for me was that they were going to carry three quarterbacks in the offseason, and, and that was kind of a unique thing for the league at the time. And so, you know, I, to be able to know that I was going to be a part of at least the offseason and going to get a chance to be able to show what I could do and, and, and show that I deserve to be here, um, that was important to me. I didn't want to go into a situation where they were like, you know, this is – this is set in stone and, and you're not going to get a shot or you're going to be the fourth guy or whatever. Um, to me, it was more, at that point, it'd be more worth it to just stay at NBC and continue to try to win um, with that group. But, um, you know, I, yeah, it, it, it was, it really came down to that and, and uh, trying to, uh, trying to make sure that we made the right decision from that standpoint. So back here in Canada, uh, Ontario won, the junior championships recently and you know when you look across uh, the province and uh, where players are produced there's always an argument where the best players come from and you're bi-coastal so you know I, you're not just an Ontario guy but you know I grew up a Scarborough Markham guy obviously not Mississauga there's constantly Brampton guys saying that's the the hotbed you know in Hamilton and London and Windsor they say that's the hotbed but unquestionably when you're looking at producing quarterbacks Something about the water of Burlington. What is it about that area where you always have a couple kids uh, with coaches looking to give them offers at various levels because they can sling it? Yeah, I think I think for the sake of this argument, I'm definitely an Ontario kid. <laughs> Just so we're all on the same team. We're all, we're all advocating that Ontario has the best football and all that different type of stuff. So, um, but yeah, I, I think I think uh, you know at least for one. When I was growing up, it was always, I think Larry Justanis had a big part in that. He was always coaching the Halton region and guys that were coming up, you know, always seemed to go through that, go through him and be, be coached by him. He did a lot of great quarterback things. I think, I think what I found, you know, during the COVID year, I started doing some coaching. What I found was that there was a lot of great athletes, but there wasn't a lot of um, coaching, especially not in comparison to the United States. And um, and so guys wanted to be able to become better quarterbacks, but there wasn't the there wasn't the attention, there wasn't the coaching to be able to get them to the next step. And um, I think that early in my uh, football career as a as a as a youngster, um, you know, Larry was one of the was my first quarterback coach, um, and he was a guy who was able to help me to develop as a as a as a passer. And we ran uh, some very uh, I think for the for the for the age group we we were running you know three by two formations and we were doing some spread offense and stuff that I think other teams weren't doing at the time and I think that allowed me to be able to kind of develop I know that Will Finch was also someone who came up through that kind of system I know his dad was also a coach as well um, but I think that just the resource and the availability of those coaches to be able to continue to um, to to coach th that area, I think was was in, was really important to kind of developing those people, and I think that that impact's still there um, for that area. And hey, lastly, hey. before go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Nate. The um, <laughs> your your accolades speak for themselves, Nathan, and uh, you you've grown so much in a short amount of time up here in Canada. Um, especially when you came to CFL, of course, going up there, down there now in, in, in the NFL, in Jacksonville in particular, I know at this stage in your career, in this transition, 
you're thinking, hey, I want to learn as much, I want to grow as much, and be as comfortable as I can be with my teammates and the coaching staff and the playbook for sure. But what's one thing that you would say uh, you are working on? One or two things that you feel like these are the things that I'm focusing on to improve myself to get to the next level since really that's what all the greats do. Yeah, I, I think that the biggest thing that I've had to adjust to going back to the American game is the type of throws that you have to make are different. and It's smaller, so you have to throw the ball differently. I felt like while I was in the CFL, I just started working with Rob Williams, who was able to add, um, you know, a guy I worked with now for three years, but he's he's able to add a lot of velocity to my throw, and so I just went up to training camp in 21 and was just ripping the ball out there, throwing the ball as hard as I could and just trying to get it to our guys. And you were able to get away with it a little bit more because there's so much space. Um, but down here, the, they're really looking at accuracy and touch, and, and I've had to adjust to that, and I'm going to continue to improve uh, specifically in touch and just trying to get the ball into a right spot and be able to catch the, the ball essentially for the receiver, put it in a good spot so they can go and do something with it. Um, that, especially when I got to this, the, the Jags and, and, and the, in OTAs, I had to adjust to that. So there was a bunch of overthrows and things where I was just letting it rip. And um, so I've had to adjust to that. Um, but I think that the main thing in this preseason games I'd like to be able to really improve on and, and show the coaching staff is that I can operate the offense, um, that they can trust me to put me out there, um, and I can handle what they're asking their quarterbacks to do. I think that's the biggest thing, and I think that's what uh, teams want to see. And um, and uh, I, I'd like to be able to go out there and really command the offense and, and be able to show them what I can do. I loved uh, watching you uh, in the CFL. Uh, I'm excited to, to watch you in the NFL, but I always love when we get to catch up and we get a little bit of the inside perspective that makes you you know, a great player and a great person. So all the best. Continued success. Yeah, thanks, Donovan. Thanks, Enoch. All Good the best, Nate. Yeah, thanks. Yes, sir. Season, man. All right. That was incredible. So much insight into Nathan Rourke, and you kind of teased it off the top, just his mindset and how he's kind of feeling the NFL opportunity he's been given and that he's more than kind of earned, and just to see him ball out on uh, on this past weekend was awesome. We got another segment that's making a return. It's that guy. Yeah. And I showed you the clip before we recorded yep. of Jalen Acklin and his halftime interview. Someone was jawing at him in the crowd, and... Um, his interview with Kenzie, he just was like, I'm not going to listen to that guy. I get it. So I've always been fascinated by it. And I come from a hockey world, admittedly, where athletes are a little hesitant to kind of show their personality in interviews or call anyone out or um, call another team out, chirp, whatever the case may be. And I understand why, because it's a team sport. You don't want to be bulletin board material for another team. You don't want to feel like you're going above the team and just kind of going out for your personal self. But as fans of sports, like, I love seeing that stuff. I love the trash talk. I listen to CFL Wired. Like, hearing you guys talk and jaw on the field is amazing. Um, there's obviously media training that all you guys have, and the quarterbacks are a little more reserved too. But that guy, the honest interviewee, I guess how difficult is it to be that honest interviewee knowing – just the culture of sports and not wanting to ruffle feathers and knowing when to cross the line and not cross the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. For that guy, you, you just don't want to be that guy that 
gives extra fuel yeah. to the team that you're playing against, right? You could be a receiver, and now you're talking, and now you're talking, and you're you're you're, you're putting you're you're giving fuel to the other receiver on the other team. Now I'm a defensive player, and I got to deal with that, right? And so that guy, you that those are big things. There's three things that you can't do as an athlete when you're right. It, it all boils around giving fuel to the other team, right? You can't. You can't be going out there guaranteeing games. But again, we have that guy who's too honest and goes and says, man, we're, we got to win that game. And so can't guarantee. The other thing that you can't do, you, you can't go out there and start pointing out people, again, to give fuel to the other team uh, by instigating things in an interview. There's just, it's, 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 it's pro 101, right? And finally, the last thing that, you absolutely cannot do when you're being interviewed, right? Unless you're that guy, you can't go out there and give away information from your player. I've been with a couple of guys. Oh no, that have done that. Oh no, see, no, 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 <laughs> don't tell him that we want to play cover two men against this quarterback. No, that's not what you want to do. That's supposed to stay in the locker room. And so, man, when you're that guy, it's uh, that's not who you want to be because. When you get back to the locker room, we're gonna we're gonna have a couple of conversations with you and including the coaching staff. So don't give away information, don't give fuel. And uh please, 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 uh don't 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 energize the other team at all. I think there's a line that you can kind of balance between being honest, but also just like you said, not breaking any one of those three rules because you can show your personality and be honest exactly. and have fun with answers and questions and media members, but when and I think Chad did it earlier this season after the BC game where it was just like he was gave the political diplomatic answers after the big win, but then he threw a little jab in there, but it was an honest jab. And yeah. it was like, that's what happens when you play man. I think yeah. it was something to that effect. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? I love that. That's honest. That's not something that I, I, he's, he's just being truthful in yeah. a way where it's not necessarily calling someone out by name or anything like that, but in the spirit of the competition where it gets heated, he's taking that opportunity to let fans know how he's feeling after a big win that's more than just, you know what, credit to everyone, we did great kind of thing. Exactly, and that's the thing, right? It's the spirit of competition. But there's sometimes when you get so into the game and they place a mic in front of you, man, you just <laughs> never know. Emotions run high and you're excited. And that was at the end of a game that we had a pretty good, uh, a game I remember at BMO and, and ch just let him know, like, I think he also felt a little disrespected. Absolutely. Telling himself, like, I'm a professional quarterback and you think you can just play man-to-man -man against me and, and think that I can't throw? Because, hey, that's that's a defensive coordinator that's, that's sending a message, mm -hmm. right? And so he took it personal and it just came out. So it's always cool to kind of hear the truth, the honest truth beyond the the the, the adults, the do not, the, the adult do's. Uh, as an interviewee, so it, it, it's always cool to see it come out when emotions uh, run high and still, uh, and the truth comes out as well. Also, great to see anytime players and fans get involved. It's it's usually fun. So maybe that's a future uh, that guy segment. Uh, maybe a little teaser here before before Donovan comes back. Let's get to week eleven. It's going to be a great week in the CFL, and let's start with CFL pick and presented by Old Dutch marquee matchup if you're not already playing pick them head to gamezone.cfl.ca and make your weekly picks we're starting on thursday night with edmonton and hamilton 
It's going to be a good one. It's Trey Ford's season. He made his first career start against the Ticats last season, and they ended up winning that game 29-25 to on Canada Day. And he gets a big weapon back, hopefully, uh, with Eugene Lewis practicing fully. That's their big offseason acquisition, one of the best receivers in the CFL. Um, Hamilton, kind of in a similar situation as Edmonton, was last week with a new OC in his first game. So what kind of interests you most about this matchup with so much kind of newness to it on both sides of the ball and both offenses in particular? That's right. That's right. I think we we, we far often, rightfully so, talk about the pivot position, the quarterback, right? Uh, who's going to run the show? But what are some of the things that I, I, I when I'm watching the Edmonton Elks play, especially now the new look Edmonton Elks mm-hmm. with, you know, Coach Jackson calling the play and uh, uh, Trey Ford also at quarterback, I'm I'm interested to see who else will step up, right? You talk about um, the return of Geno Lewis and and his ability to impact the game, and also you watched last week when the first ga- uh, play call in the game, Brown takes the ball and and runs it all the way for a touchdown, 65 yards. And so, who else will step up, right? Um, we I, regardless of what the situation is in Hamilton, who's gonna start and 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 who's gonna be. Uh, the one calling the shots and throwing the ball and slinging the rock. Who else will step up, right? And 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 that's what I'm looking at in a in, in a situation like this one for the Elks and the Hamilton Tiger Cats because at the end of the day, specifically for a Trey Ford who's a young quarterback still trying to find his way, he needs the support. And there's a way for offensive coordinator to find to to allow a young quarterback or a new quarterback to 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 find his rhythm. You know, whether it's quick game, whether it's allowing him to to kind of read uh, not just the full field or half of the field or change the launching point and allowing for the for the quarterback to to roll out the pocket. You know, there's a lot of exit in those talks, but that's what an offensive coordinator can do to help uh, a young or new quarterback in the offense. And so I'm looking forward to see how much help the coordinators are going to provide for these quarterbacks, but also who steps up in each uh, respective offenses. And when you talk about Trey Ford too, you're talking about a guy that you could probably do a lot with as far as the comfortability goes because he's got such great athleticism and he's used to using his legs. And so maybe moving him on the run a little more is just going to open up a new level of offense for Edmonton, which I'm excited to see. They've got a couple of streaks going that I know their fans want them to end. The home losing streak is one thing. You got the streaks on the wrong side. Oh my goodness. But hopefully you see something here that just gives you confidence going into the rest of the season with Ford under center and the new OC. Let's move on to Friday night, Winnipeg and Calgary, a big Western battle here. And as of recording right now, Zach Caleros didn't practice as we previously talked about. So, I mean, barring something crazy, we we probably will see Drew Brown make his first career CFL start And it's a fun matchup of the running backs as well. But let's talk about Brown for a little bit because now some teams got some tape on him. So, and Calgary's got a solid defense too. Micah always just been unbelievable in the middle of that defense. So what is it like from your perspective as a, as a defensive player, you've got some new film on this guy and they, he doesn't just kind of come in mid game and take you by surprise. Yeah, no, you know, one game is not the is not the most amount of film that you can have on a quarterback. Obviously, when you're studying and preparing for uh, for a quarterback coming uh, coming into town, but now there's film, right? We can prepare in this particular way. We kind of like we can see your tendencies. We know what you want to do when 
how, where you want to escape, how you want to escape and, and what you do, which direction, which side you want to do to escape, uh, you want to go when you're escaping and uh, which side of the field might be uh, your favorite side. And, you know, who's your favorite receiver? We have a little bit of uh, 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 information now about you and it makes it that much more difficult for a quarterback. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see. And like you mentioned, you know, you got Rose, Micah Awe, and Cameron Judge and the boys out there in Calgary. On defense, they're doing a solid job, you know. Uh, they're trying to figure things out on offense, but their defense has been pretty solid um, year-round. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how Drew Brown will react against that defense, but also um, how Calgary will punch back. Because, listen, Winnipeg has a defense that plays very well as well. And um, Jake Mayer is going to have to deal with Willie J. He's going to have to deal with Jackson Jeffco. That's per usual. The usual suspects, you know, the Adam Big Hills and whatnot on that defense. But at the same time, um, they're, they're going to have to generate points and be more productive than they were the previous week. Uh, when I thought they were a little bit more conservative, um, you know, having a lot of perimeter plays. And, and of course, they want to reintegrate their offensive run game especially having uh, Kadeem Carey back and, and Mills doing his job to, to, to the level that which he's been doing in the last few weeks. But how do you find that balance? And how do you allow Jake Mayer to also uh, be comfortable in that offense? Listen, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good one to watch for sure. And Drew Brown, if he is starting, first road start too. Not an easy environment going into Calgary Stampeder Town to to make your first CFL start, so that'll be opportunity to make more money. There we go. Like I said, there we go. I love it. I love it. Big matchup in the East, and I know you'll probably be tuned into this one. As far as the games go, this one probably has most of your attention. Montreal and Ottawa Saturday night. It's the proximity rivalry game. Like I know the Battle of Ontario is Ottawa Toronto, so that's a rivalry game. But this this is a close matchup as far as making the trip to Ottawa would go for Montreal fans. And the East is just so much more competitive this year, I feel like, than the West so far this season. And Cody Fajardo likely being back for Montreal makes this matchup even more interesting and appealing for viewers to watch. That's right. That's right. I mean, you know, this game is one of those games that Donovan and I continue to talk about. This should be a rivalry. Yeah, this should be a rivalry. You just, you know, you cross the river and you go <laughs> to Ottawa, and and you got a good game over here. Because again, whether Cody Fajardo is back, we're hearing that he may, he's likely to come back. Whether he's back or not, it's gonna be interesting to see. Caleb Evans, former Red Black, come back and play in Ottawa. Man, Venge game, a good one. And I and I promise you, we talked about it last week what it's like to come back and play against a, a former team of yours. And uh, I'll tell you what, he's going to be, he's going to have a little bit more uh, 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 oath to his step when he goes back to Ottawa, just because of the simple fact that one, he can run if he, if he needs to or has to, but I have a feeling he's going to want to uh, put a stamp in that game if he has the opportunity to start. So it's going to be an interesting one for sure. And now Ottawa feels like too, they've got maybe a quarterback of the future, the way, Crum is playing, especially since he's been named the starter. Like they've just put up a lot of points on offense. So it's good to see for the East as well, just to kind of have that log jam of the middle. It's it's fun. And I know you guys have a bunch of games left still against Ottawa and Montreal too, which makes it even more entertaining as we kind of push for the playoffs. And we end the week 
not with you guys, with BC, Saskatchewan, a Western Conference matchup here. Obviously, we've got a lot of questions at quarterback for Saskatchewan. And we wanted to talk about just a little interesting point that Dave Naylor had a Twitter thread about. Jake Dolagala, if he does get the start, he's 6'6", 6'7". He's a really tall guy. And apparently tall quarterbacks just don't find success in the CFL. I didn't know this, but there are 17 CFL QBs that have thrown for over 30,000 yards. None are over 6'3". Two are exactly six foot three. Wow! Yeah, which is really surprising to me. I don't like. What do you What do you feel when you hear a stat like that? Play you played with a bunch of different quarterbacks of all different sizes and heights. That's that's interesting. That's an interesting fact. But leave it to Dave Daler to come up with that, right? To Why? find that out. But listen, that's 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 the beauty of the CFL. Really, I mean, it's it's that league that allows for people that might not be prototypical whether it's size, whether it's, you know, uh, weight or strength or whatnot, it allows you to be at a position and still be impactful. And for him to come up with a stat like that, I mean, I'm not going against it. I believe yeah. what Dave Naylor tweets. Um, but it's it's a definitely interesting to see, and and uh, uh, I'll be looking out for it some more now to yeah. try and see. But, you know, he, he it sounds like he, he's, he might be right. Dave Naylor's rarely wrong, and... Uh, it seems like this time he's right again. Tall quarterbacks are just, I, I don't know. It, it's a surprising thing to me. And I, I feel like the the stereotype with all tall quarterbacks is like they have a great arm, but sometimes kind of accuracy is the issue with it. So, I mean, hey, who knows? Jake Dolagala, prove Dave Naylor wrong right there. You've got the tweet. That's it. 30,000 yards That's is your goal. For you, Jake. One yard at a time. We're, we're, uh, we're not going for 30,000 all in one. Naylor after it. Is. Yeah. Once he gets to the 30,000 club, hopefully after a long, successful career. What did you say about tall quarterbacks? <laughs> there it is. That's the tweet that enough said. Just what did you say about tall That's quarterbacks? It. I love That's that. Word list. I love that. Next week, Donovan will be back. I've enjoyed every single second of this, by the way. This has been so much fun. And hopefully uh, there's another opportunity that that I can be in this seat, but I'm just warming it for Donovan right now. And we have another great interview. We're open at BC Lions owner Amar Doman on the show. So come back to listen to that one. Um, I know there are a few things that you specifically want to talk to him about. So yeah. any teases for the viewers? I mean, just just his mindset. You know, Amar is a guy, Donovan and I both have been wanting to talk to him for some time and have been around for as long as I have and Donovan as well. You know, we, we, we see a lot of the leaders that come around, whether it's a it's a coach or a GM or uh, an owner of a team um, or an organization that owns a team. I mean, it's 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 just interesting to see the speed of the impact that he's had in, in BC. And, and I can't wait to talk about the creativity that he has in his head and uh, that he continues to um, to show the rest of the, the country. And so uh, looking forward to talking to Mr. Amar Dolan. Oh, that's awesome. And it's such a unique kind of conversation that you can have because obviously the on-field, on-player conversations are, are one thing, but just the behind-the-scenes of running a team, like that's that's really, really cool and all the different kind of avenues you can explore with that. I'm excited for that one as well. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube for the podcast clips because we do clip them and put them on YouTube and you can listen on Apple, Spotify, cfl.ca. Uh, 
comment, review, like, share with your friends, all that fun stuff. Please and thank you. We really appreciate anyone that tunes in to listen. And this has been another edition of The Waggle. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.